That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no, no. You are. You defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Knocker Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. As always, it's Nestlemania. Alongside for the ride is a man who I tried to get rid of, and I sent him stuff via FedEx in a garbage, but uh, he picked it up, and then he started putting it on Twitter. JC, thank you for joining us, JC, even though you're technically fired. I'm fired. Okay, this is news to me because, you know, when I look at uh, our relationship, Nestlemania, sometimes I'm just like riddle. I don't really listen to what you say, and I just scoot around you and do whatever I want. And, yeah, you know, that is obviously how what they call a segue in the biz because always in the shine we head there. Thank you, Mandy. Um, RK Bro, man. Like, this – I, I, like I, I feel like I've said this, like, six times this year. That backstage segment on Monday was maybe the best segment of the year. But I, I don't know. I have to compare it to about four other Riddle segments backstage from this year. It's just like this guy is just – perfection right now he is the 2021 mvp undisputed and you mix him in with the goat randy orton and obviously we had the match last week and whatever but they're like they literally like clearly randy must have been like i want to work with this guy because this guy's awesome and i think i could have a lot of fun with it and they did but that bad station was beautiful obviously you know rk bro they're running with it they're a tag team and uh they fought cedric and shelty they beat cedric and shelty and shout out cedric nestlemania because that RKO midair was dope. Yeah, I mean, it, that was really good. And honestly, he did it probably better than CM Punk. It was way more fluid, way more fun to see the impact. I mean, I laughed very much at the, the you know, the, the what do they call it? The the, the snakeskin Speedos or whatever that he said. Like, <laughs> so good! But the the fact, the fact that I think the, the, we know that Riddle's Riddle, but I think the other thing that not a lot of people probably were focusing on as much, maybe, were Randy Orton's facials, where he was just like, no, wait. And he'd like walk away, and then you know he he was he was not over committing to it, and he just kind of went to like begrudging was probably the best word he conveyed that image to us and that emotion. So I was very excited to see that, and very 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 positive. And I I honestly thought it was just gonna be a one and done. Like you know you got me last week, motherfucker. I'm gonna turn on you in RKO. But they're going with the RK bro, which surprised the fuck out of me because honestly they're hurting in the tag team division. So I guess you know. It's probably nothing that's going to be long-term, but, like, their chemistry, you saw it a little bit last week in the little tease we got, and it's like, man, there's, there's something here. And Randy's, I think, always been a guy where if he sees something like that, he's going to walk right in the big man's office and be like, this is what I think we should do. And he's the type of guy that when he walks in the big man's office, WrestleMania, the big man listens to him. So, and what do we always say? When Randy Orton buys into something, there's no one better. And he was bought into this. It was good. I mean, we know they make magic in the ring, whether it's together or against each other. And I think eventually this will probably lead to them having a little one-on-one feud. But for now, I think, like, let this thing run out a little bit. See how it goes. Like, who knows? Maybe they they would be a perfect opponent for AJ and Omens whenever they come back at some point down the line. But 
I just I think this is the biggest positive of the week. It was the most interesting thing of the week. If you could only watch one thing this week, I think it's this stuff, and I think especially on Raw as always. But it's just it. This is just good, and this is like it's one of those things where WWE like. They kind of throw shit against the wall, and this is something that's stuck, and I'm glad that they're running with it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I love it. I did, I mean, obviously, we've talked about the Riddle the person we're not necessarily fans of, but Riddle the character, Riddle the, the entertainer is very good. Randy Orton's obviously on the top list on the Mount Rushmore, so you really can't see anything bad about it. I will say this much. It does come across in my head. WWE goes to the well a lot with these odd fellow, you know, odd couple tag teams it seems like they've we've seen AEW do it now too though i think it's just a wrestling thing i don't even think we can call it a wwe thing it's just it's it's just an easy thing to do when you don't know what to do with single stars and to create feuds it's just it's but yeah wwe historically has done it but when they do it too much and i think that's why we think of it but this is one of those cases where i think it's a good thing because they have that chemistry sure. sometimes the chemistry is undeniable like Sheamus and Cesaro, the bar which is probably one of our favorite tag teams in the last five years they were thrown together, but it just worked. Rude and Ziggler, they haven't done much recently, but I think we like the idea of them together. They do a good job together. They just they have nothing really to do for them. But it's just sometimes these things work, and when you put in the time and you let them build, it's one of those things. If they fight for the tag team titles next week, probably not the greatest thing in the world. But if this is like a slow build, then, yeah, I think it's natural that eventually they could be a top tag team because you're talking about two of the best single stars in the company. So you put them together, they get a little work together, they work together, they should be a good tag team. I agree. I agree. And I mean, the jury's still out, honestly, because we won't know if they're going to be one of the greatest, you know, odd couple tag teams. There's a couple in my mind that I, you know, I automatically think of Kane and, and Daniel Bryan is probably the best mm-hmm. odd couple in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years that I can think of off the top of my head. I don't know if they're going to get to that length or that to that rise, but, you know, you never know. You never really know until you see it. And I'm excited for it because I think we haven't ha- we've had some fun ones, but we haven't had one that like really, really speaks to you and could be like, oh, if they ever revisit this someday. Like an RKO, uh, sorry, R- rated RKO was kind of like a big deal, obviously. But that was like, I don't know, 15 years now. It's just, it's yeah. hard. It's 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 hard to, to get those couples correct in a lot of ways. So it has potential. It has absolute potential. And I think that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping for potential because honestly, the, the next part of this whole show, in my opinion, is very heavy in one particular category. So probably going to have a short uh, short shine in my opinion i do agree but one thing that i am enjoying and this is you know the man who beat riddle for the united states championship of wrestlemania this is just more of a thing about sheamus in general because obviously he's doing his quote-unquote open challenges which the whole thing of it is isn't really an open challenge umberto comes out and sheamus beats him up but i just want to talk about more sheamus in general because he's a guy obviously like you know we're very positive about him on this program we know our boy ben loves him but like Sheamus, I think, is one of the best heels in the company consistently throughout his career. Because no matter when he is out there, no matter what he does, whoever he is with, he makes them infinitely better, and he makes them immediately like you want to root for them. Take Humberto Carrillo. Most people aren't familiar with him, but it's just one of those things like Sheamus just makes you want to root for Shimmy. Like, I'm screaming Shimmy Shimmy, yeah, and it's one of those things like I don't dislike Humberto, I don't love Humberto. Joe got him over with the Shimmy Shimmy, yeah, but it's one of those things, even in these short segments, like, Sheamus is literally making this guy because we know Humberto has the language barrier. He barely talks anyway, so it's like Sheamus is doing all the work. But Sheamus is just such a good heel. I can't say that enough. And I think he's consistently, throughout his career, even if we want to call it boring sometimes, 
He's the type of heel. He's kind of like Corbett in the sense where he just gets those baby faces over instantly because he's just so good at being a shithead that you want to fucking hate. So shout out Seamus, man. I thought this was, again, one of the more enjoyable segments on Ron's show that pretty much sucks. Yeah, well, look, I mean, we, we we can gush over Sheamus or Shimmy Shimmy as much as we want, but going forward, it's nice that they did something a little bit different this time around where, like, last time Shimmy got beat up, didn't really get a start. Now, this time Sheamus got his comeuppance a little bit, you know, from Shimmy and, that, you know, got got him a piece, essentially. So now we're, we're in two two weeks, we still haven't had a match. So inevitably when Sheamus wins, at least it went three or four or six weeks, whatever it, it, it'll end up being, and it'll feel like a longer time than it really was. So I applaud them for trying to make this stretch because it feels like we got, I think, three or four weeks till WrestleMania backlash. Yeah. That seems to I mean, be this inevitable. Is this is something that might pay off on TV, too. It doesn't necessarily happen in a pay-per-view. But this is this is something, the reason why it feels so different is because WWE doesn't really build feuds. They have two people wrestle, then they have them wrestle again, then they have them wrestle again, then they have them wrestle again. This is an instance where, like you said, these guys haven't wrestled yet. We're going on two weeks, and they've built a little bit. Are they feud here? And it's one of those things, like, it, like it's a very similar thing in the last two weeks, but it didn't feel repetitive because it feels fresh because it's two guys who haven't been together. It's two guys, they aren't just, like, they're not just giving us the match right away. We have to earn it. We have to buy into Humberto as a contender, which that's what this week was. Last week it was to put him out there and let Sheamus show he's a shithead. This week was to give Humberto a little bit of flash, a little bit of shine, so to speak, so we could build him out, see him as a contender, and now whether the match comes next week or the week after that or down the line, they built a feud, which is something they haven't done well. So in this case, they did, and I applaud them for it. I'm going to switch gears. into There's two things that I enjoyed. I think one we can agree on and one we may not agree on, so I'm going to go with the one I think okay. we may agree on. Okay. This is a very hypercritical portion of SmackDown that I really loved. We can talk about the bigger portion, I'm sure, in the later segment. But I always ask for something on this program, JC. I always say, what do we need in wrestling? We need stakes, right? We need stakes. We need a reason for something to be there, you know? And for me, at the end of SmackDown, the fact that Roman Reigns was like, I don't like you, Daniel Bryan. I don't want you on my show anymore. You want another title shot? Fine. But when you lose, you're gone from SmackDown. Now, granted, they can take any type of route they want here, which is fine. But the fact is, you're gonna. I'm gonna tune into it, because now I gotta see the finish. I gotta see how this unfolds. I have to know in my head. Hey, clearly Daniel Bryan ain't winning. They're not gonna waste it on a SmackDown, are they? Maybe they will. Maybe Edge gets involved. Who knows? There's so many different possibilities. But I'm asking questions, and those are the best type of things. Whether you're watching stories on television, whether you're watching wrestling, whether you're playing board games, it does not matter. Whatever you're interested in, if you start asking questions that's when they know that they've got you on the hook. So they've got me on the hook for Friday. Besides the fact that that's one match and the other match will be Big E and, and Apollo, which I am assuming will be good anyway. But they sold me on Friday, and I just want to applaud them. I mean, the rest of the show, we can talk about being murky. But that portion of it, I applaud them for because it was it was something that I didn't expect. And I think that's the best part. I did not expect that because of the way they were heavily going in a different direction. No, you said right off the top there. It's about... Giving everything meaning, like you said, stakes. Like, we don't get that enough in the WWE on the main roster. It's always like random main event, two single guys fighting for pride, or a six-man tag so everyone can get their shit in. Like, that stuff's just filler. It doesn't It doesn't mean anything because WWE doesn't keep records. They barely do contender matches. But, like, this is something where it's like, like you said, it's like Roman Reigns wins, 
Not only does he retain his title, bye-bye Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, it's a, it's a win-or-go-home situation. It's either win or likely go to Raw. So it's for, Or take a little break and then go to Raw. You know, so it's, it is. It gives you a reason to watch because you laid out a bunch of scenarios, and I completely agree. That's why this, as much as like this whole feud, even leading into WrestleMania, we said like there were times of it where I hated the segment. It didn't really, there wasn't a lot of good for me. But like at the end of the day, they built towards the match and the culmination. And it felt like it meant something. And you felt it and you were invested in it. And this was the same thing. There was a bunch of segments with the shit on SmackDown. Uh, like you said, the rest of the segments, eh, eh. Cesaro's lurking, which is nice. But we can hit on that later if you want. But they set up something for next week where it's like, okay, you mentioned it. I have to watch SmackDown. Because Reigns versus Bryan for the Universal title. We also have an Apollo Biggie rematch for the IC title, which I will say, like, that stuff I thought was the other shine for me on SmackDown because, no, why? Like you said, they're building towards something. There's stakes. It's not just random fucking fodder, it's actual, meaningful shit. I couldn't agree more. The uh, the other thing that I think you may and I you you and I may not agree on is uh, something that I have to call myself on the carpet for because I am on this program. I know I'm, there's a couple of followers of the Jobber Knocker, our boy the Backcracker, who definitely is on my side on this one. There's a particular shoveler. Now, granted, you can say she's been enhanced or de-enhanced or been whatever she's been doing lately, whatever. The fact of the matter remains. I have to say this, whether you like it or not. I think this is the best version of Charlotte we've ever been given. I am actually interested in somewhat of a storyline here. It's yes, it's a little bit of a you got to get out of the mud to get into something good. But there's the Sonya now aspect of it. There's the I'm asking the referee to apologize to me. Spoiled brat that she already is. They're just I finally feel like they're leaning into the flair name more than necessary. And the now I'm just a spoiled brat and I know I can abuse it, which is what she probably is behind the scenes a teeny bit, I imagine, if not for a lot. And I think that sometimes the character has been, yes, we know she's great. Yes, she's probably the best to ever do it. That's fine. And that's that's lazy to me in a way of an explanation to a person. But now you're getting the Sonya open the back door. Now I'm intrigued. Okay, she was fined $100,000. She goes, yeah, I paid that easy in one lump sum. That was enough for me to go, I'm never going to see $100,000 in my life. Not in one sitting anyway. You know, and that to me made me go, okay, there's a disconnect, you know. And on top of that, the referee had to apologize, and then she made the referee apologize, and that referee was going to be in her match later. Again, we're connecting the dots in multiple segments. Again, not a big Charlotte guy. Then she started out later, you know, and she had a match. She looked completely different. She's got a little bit of a different presentation in the way she looks with her makeup, her gear, the whole thing. Spoiled. Loved it. Had the referee hold the ropes for her at the beginning and the end. A little, Just a little bit. Like, it's funny how you just, she's already a seasoning that you already want to, you already want to digest. But when you sprinkle these little things in on something that you, you know is good, just makes it greater. And of course, like, you can make a joke whether or not, like, Mandy Rose is the, you know, the equivalent of a good person to put up against Charlotte. But it went into the Sonya aspect of connecting the dots of essentially, I know, Josh, this is where you're probably going to be. Who the fuck is Josh? I know. (laughs) JC. They're two different things. JC, you're going to be upset with me because I'm going to put your girl on the, the fire here. Not necessarily a tomato can, but not necessarily a serious contender for Charlotte. So it seemed like an uphill battle for your girl. And... I just, I, I thought it was well done considering, and it might just be that this is a, a B minus effort, that it is surrounded by Fs, 
that I just, it elevated it, like on a curve? I don't know. But I'm curious how you feel about the overall. You just said the word, and I always make this argument when you do it. When they let Charlotte be the best version of herself, she is an elevator. Because that means she is a fucking, excuse my French here, I don't like using this word, but I'm going to use it to get my point across, a cunty heel. When she is doing that, there is no better version of Charlotte. That's why a few weeks ago, when she returned, you heard my excitement on this program. I brought her up in the shine. I brought her up in the hope. I brought her up in the comeback. But it was to get my point across that this is the best version of Charlotte. We've seen it before. But now that she's even more seasoned, has more accolades, is even more fame, it really comes off even stronger. Because like you said, you get that full spoiled bratness. You get it on all the levels. And like you said, her presentation is a little different now. Her arrogance is to the max. They're playing off it perfectly. The Sonya angle was perfectly done. I love that they literally had the little little Easter egg there with Sonya and Mandy backstage. I literally don't think we've seen them together since Sonya has returned. Because she, she was been on SmackDown until this week on Raw, where she started to play a big role. So I thought that was well done. Mandy, always in the shine. So you know I'm not with her and Charlotte. It's going to be a five-star <laughs> classic. It was. But it's just like, like you said, the interplay with the ref, with like she didn't count fast enough, her holding the ropes after the match. It just it, Everything about this was well put together. It was well done. It was well executed. And, yeah, Charlotte's starting to click on all cylinders, and that's exciting because I, I, I want to make this comparison, but I don't want to make this comparison. But to me, like the way Charlotte is, she has a very similar trajectory of the way Randy Orton is. They like he's, We love Randy Orton so much, but we know he's a better heel. But they force-feed him as a babyface all the time. He doesn't always buy in. He's gotten lazy over his career. But he's still considered like the best because when he buys in, there's nothing better. All those same things are similar with Charlotte. Maybe not to the degree of Randy. She obviously has a lot more career to go through to reach his level. But I think it's a lot of the similar things. We see all the time. Charlotte maybe isn't bought in. Charlotte isn't a good baby face. But when she's a heel, there might not be anyone better at doing it. So that's why I make that parallel because I think there's a similarity. And I think as Charlotte progresses in her career, like with Randy, everyone is going to come to appreciate it more. Because let's be, let's be honest. Some, a lot of the stuff people say about Charlotte the stuff they've said about Randy for the majority of career with his laziness, with his whatever. But that's just part of the maturation process, the part of the long journey when like, you have someone who has a long career, who's in WWE for this long, is at the top for this long. You're going to go through stuff like this because you can't be the number one person at all times. But I, just, I think that parallel is something, the more I think about it, that it kind of clicks. And I feel a lot of the same way. But I'm glad you, you agree with this because I do think the Charlotte storyline has been very good right now. I'm curious to see how they continue to do it because obviously we know like the Raw Women's Division has struggled for a long time. And I think Charlotte can be a really stabilizing force, but I like that they're slow building her to the title. Hell, she could be in a title match at Backlash, who knows? But at least for a few weeks here, we're building something. And now that you have this new authority figure, it's another little wrinkle. So it is something that the execution might be up and down week to week, as we see. But at least here on Raw, we're starting to get some actual storylines. I don't have anything else in the shine because I think it's get to uh, get to the. Uh... Well, I have a transitional piece. Okay. Because I, I because it's something that I think there was a lot of heat involved with it. There was a lot of shit of it on Raw, but it's also something where we talked about earlier about having stakes and reasons for things like this. Braun Bobby Drew thing. A lot of it was a clusterfuck, but at least like that main event, it had meaning. And all the segments leading up, whether it was the backstage segment between Braun and MVP, which I thought was one of the highlights of this feud for the night. It just, it kind of set up and it built towards it and everything that happened made sense. And, it, and we, I was saying last week, like, 
I don't know if I want to see Bobby and Drew again one-on-one. Like, I don't think I want to see that again. But what do you do? You fucking choo-choo, motherfucker. Here comes the express. Braun bursts his way in. And now we have more guys to play off of. We have the Braun-Drew dynamic where one second they're getting along. The next second they want to kill each other. And then you have Bobby, who's sitting with both of them. You have MVP, who's going to have segments with both of them. There's a lot of moving parts, at least here, for this universal, or the, excuse me, the WWE Championship. So since they had stakes, that is the positive. We can go to the heat now because some of the segments and some of the stuff throughout the night, I'm sure you didn't like, and I'm probably with you. So, well, we want to get into connective tissue here. I'm going to go very quickly into what the fuck was Mason T-Bar, what their dad, like. That one threw me for a loop, too, so I'm, I want so, to hear it. Yes. So for me, I was like, are they like an S&M dem- 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 demolition, LOD, weird, like, didn't make any sense. Like, it just, why are we calling them, why aren't we calling them D.O. and Jack or something like, you know, something. D&D, I don't care. Call them something different. But when you have Mason T-Bar with their stupid retribution, they're like, they went out of their way on commentary to talk about shedding retribution, yet they come down to retribution music and they come down with the retribution name. They ain't shedding nothing, you know? And I think that that's important. Now, granted, I need to pump the brakes maybe and maybe that this is a long-term kind of, you know, marinating process where they maybe shed things little by little by little. That tag match, it was essentially a rerun from last week with just the moving parts being different. Uh, you know, now they have no mask and they have fa- face paint, which, you know, fell off three seconds in their match. Like, who cares? It melted. Dante, Dante Dio, excuse me. Dio, my, I can't even say it. Is it Dio Madden? What, what Mace. What, whatever, Mace. Mace. Just call him Mace. Sorry, when, when, I, call when, him I think, when I think Mace. Save the confusion. I'm with you. I, I want to call him Dijak all the time too, but. For now, we'll just stick with Mace and T-Bar. Whatever. When I see Mace, I think Mace should be the rapper, and that's the way we should leave it because Mace was awesome. But this, the the whatever the hell it is with the long hair, it's getting in the way. Put it in a ponytail. Otherwise, like look like the Predator like you did. It looked awesome. You had a presence to yourself. But then like you could tell like the, the, the hair was getting in his way, and it looked like when someone is like, like when you ever watch people with long hair like try to do something athletic and things get in the way, it just looks like unathletic to me. Like I know he's not unathletic. He's clearly a wrestler. But then when he went for his, you know, Harlem sidekick that uh, that Booker T usually does, he kind of like trampled over the whole thing and just kind of fell over, which again, it happens. I get that. I've been in that situation. But you also have to understand too, like we're going to be under a microscope, guys. So, you know, don't do it. So that whole aspect of the entire thing. And then they came back later in the night, which I guess is fine to help. So that's, you know. that's where I want to pause you because I have a question for yes. you. So obviously at the end of the match, we knew Braun was going to win in some capacity and it was going to be a schmoz. But... We had Lashley try to cost Braun because obviously if McIntyre wins, it would remain a one-on-one match, which is what Lashley wanted because then he only has to be one person. But we saw the reason why T-Bar and Mace were entered into the storyline is because they were clearly like the Hurt Business hired them to do something. But in the finish of this match, T-Bar and Mace attacked McIntyre, which hurt what Bobby Lashley was trying to uh, accomplish and allowed Braun into the triple threat. So that's why I am confused with this whole storyline. It's like, if these guys were hired by the Hurt Business to help out Lashley, why this week did they go against what he would have wanted in cost? And maybe they'll answer that question next week. But that threw me for a complete loop at the end of this match. I don't think they were thinking far before or, or after that this is going to be a real thing. Like I think it's more of a, we got to get Braun to win. Well, this is a cool yeah. little finish where MVP tried to. I would have preferred keeping Mason T Bar completely out of it and have Bobby be the person that helped save Drew, and then MVP was the person that somehow, you know, replaced basically switched the situations where MVP was put 
put Bobby and where Mason T-Bar was, that's where you put uh, uh, MVP. I think that would have been a better story for me. Obviously, there's people that get paid a hell of a lot more money than I do, so they clearly have an idea of maybe they hope they know where they're going with it. But I, I, I hope that it's at least next week they shine a light on the business aspect of it because I don't necessarily know where we're headed with it, if it matters. If they have uh, a reason to hate them, I think they do based on the tag match. But they won by countout, and they won another match. So it just it doesn't, to me, like, doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter to me where we go with it. They have a reason to be there, regardless of whether or not uh, they're part of the Hurt Business or Hired Guns or whatever you want to say. But I just, I can't fathom why this is a, a thing. Like, it just, the whole thing was like, you already know that the the fans are going to make fun of the face paint and the, the, the non-generic looking, uh, I guess it is non-generic, it is generic, the, the, the non-committal kind of thing that retribution, non-retribution look. Then they throw them into that freaking handicap match, tag match thing that was 45 minutes long. Then they're at the end there. It's, okay, they clearly have ideas for them, but I can't buy into it. I can't. I, I, I refuse to. I like Dijak. I like I'll, – I'll, gi- I'll give Dio a chance. Like, uh, whatever. Dio definitely is the one that – you can tell he's the rawest in terms of experience and everything, and we knew that coming in, obviously. He has the least amount, so he's the one I think that is going to make mistakes. But, again, like we see with a lot of big men like Braun and stuff, they have to fail a little to get their feet on them, especially, like, the situations they're going to be put in. And next to Dijak, like, who's very fluid, Dio isn't going to look that fluid. So I do think they need to – find better ways to do it because yeah all the mistakes that you noticed i did too but like you i am willing to forgive it because i like them as a team i wish they'd give them their own name backs i agree because i think dijack and dio that sounds like a team right there boom done but they clearly want to hang on to their retribution characters a little bit for some reason but again it's one of those things like we're probably overanalyzing all this stuff like with the question i answered more than they are whereas they're just trying to get fucking shit on the air every week and because they can't make up their minds but I think for this to really be a strong positive, because I think the idea of it was good, they really need to flush out these plot, plot holes and really, like they, like you said, answer some questions for us next week because we have a lot of questions, and you can't just keep letting everything go unanswered because if not, we're going to lose interest. Right, and, and I think that's the hard part, too, is we want to be interested in Bobby. We want to be interested in, uh, to a lesser extent, I guess, the Mac and Braun, but the, the, I guess by association of the rub, they're right there with them you know, in some way with the Mason T-Bar thing, but I don't know. Like, I just, I think, honestly, having these two interjected with them in multiple segments ruins it for me in a way. Like, I, just let the big boys play, no pun intended for WCW, but let let the tag team simmer some other way. Let them figure it out on their own time because you give them too much too soon, then they're going to fail. And there's no, there's, no, there's no reason for them to fail. They're, they're decent enough to, to, to be okay. Yeah, I think this is, I think honestly, like, it is very messed up, but I do think it's a positive that Vince has enough faith in these guys to have them as the fucking opponents for his main event players and to have them involved in main events. That I think that's a positive for Dijak and Dio going forward. They just got to work out like the edges now. Where else do we go? Do you really want to, you want to get, I want, Nessa, I, I want the double dip because I saw your tweet. And I hadn't got to the second one yet, but oh boy. not only did we get one, but we got two six-person tags on Monday Night Rerun. I got to tell you, JC, I was upset at the first one, you know, because the tomato thing is a great gif, but other than that, like... At least they threw tomatoes. That yeah. the only positive I That's got. the only positive anybody could ever say about anything Elias-related. The New Day 
got you know they're in a new day. I think they could literally get crap thrown on them. It doesn't matter. They come out smelling like a rose no matter what because they're just so talented. Riker's there. Who cares to eat a pin? Oh, the other thing too is, and I think I texted this out or whatever, but like at the very end of the match, Riker like. His shoulder would, could have been completely up on his own. He could have kicked out. But like a good little soldier, he just left his hand down and whatever. Got counted to three, which that was egregious on every account. And I just, it always makes me just, you know, like you're supposed to forget. You're supposed to just like, this is fake. I, I you know, not fake, but like this is predetermined. And like, you're supposed to enjoy it. You're watching, you know, a, you know the, the thing that you enjoy. But even, even his face was like, really? I'm going to... Like, I, I got to, like, lose this match even though I can beat out of this match, which is fine. It just, it, it was like, it was a crap Sunday with the tomato thing. It was fine, but the rest of it was just dog shit. And I, I don't know, like, the the, the weird team. Of, and then, so that happened in the middle of it. They had a, a graphic for, you know, the six-woman tag. And I literally, I'm not exaggerating this at all because you can all, you can visualize this happening. So my kids are sleeping in the other room because they have to sleep early. My wife has fallen asleep at this point. I'm in bed. I have one pillow. I take my pillow from the back over to the front and I scream so loud into it about how pissed off I am about the second six person tag. My wife wakes up and she's just like, you're going to be fine. You know, like, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Just go to bed. Because that's how I feel. Like, that to me, you've committed at least 30 minutes of a three hour program. Oh, it was I will, more than that. I cannot get it back. That. I cannot get it back. And like we've talked about on this program, JC, if we didn't have this podcast, we could at least have a casual conversation. We could just scroll through and be done in 30 minutes. But we have to sit here and tell you why you should watch something, why you shouldn't watch something. It's painstaking when there's two, two. I don't want to have an aneurysm or, or just have a heart attack or get upset, but like, good Lord. Like that second one, that second one, Oof. Like, that second one had like some gaga with it too, because Mandy and Dana came out with a bucket. Yep. Threw it on Shayna. Naya. Because we're all in on this fucking Naya slips storyline. just like it is just it is so fucking painful, and it's just it's one of those things where it's just like I know you're filling time. You're getting multiple people involved. It's a late, like especially in the three-hour show. But man, like to go to that device that nobody likes and to go to it twice is just fucking painful it felt honest to, it felt honest to god like it was almost it was less than two hours apart too like it was it was close it was close enough where you were reminded there were two of them and here's the other thing too it felt like to me and i know this isn't true but this is how i i, I in my mind like how i go off into things it was like the three stooges were on in the background at a writing meeting someone's like what if we threw a bunch of tomatoes at somebody then let's throw water on somebody i know we'll do it in two separate batches that's what we'll do and it's just and, like, poor Naya has to slip and slide her way. Then, you know, Shayna doesn't have to help. And then Reginald's whatever. Then it's just... And then there's more segments with Mandy backstage with the whole Charlotte thing. And, like... Or even before that, they had the Reginald Angel thing. It's just... I swear to God. And I said this in, in a tweet there's last a lot. night. I swear to God. If they have the Naya dating game where there's three bachelors, I'm literally going to vomit. I just... Oh, they're going there. They're, they, that's, it. And that's the thing with, with right now. It's just like... We even look at SmackDown. Nia was a jobber alert to her yes. fucking cousin, Tamina. So it's just like, this is what, it's, it drives me nuts. Nuts. She loses to Tamina on Friday. Then she looks like a fucking clown slipping. Woo, 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 woo. But then she gets the win. It's just like, 
like if you want to talk about 25, 25, 25, 50, like, like it's just like this. Oh, like it's just give me strength. It's just it's it's infuriating. It's I, just it's not it's not good TV. You know what all. you know what it is for me is that we're headed to rematch a mania at Backlash. We're headed there. We know it. We're headed to things that we don't care about, but it's on a new level of just well, the pay per view's not gonna be whatever. So and we usually talk about this, how Backlash is actually statistically a really good pay per view. And, and honestly, it probably it probably still will be. But the, the matches but, will probably be good. But the lack of effort, and I know that's that maybe that WrestleMania just burnout, and maybe that's what it is. But it's definitely part of it. But honestly, why can't you just take a break from some of these? Like some of these other guys got a got a got a break, or they got sick and needed a couple weeks off, whatever. That's a whole other issue. But you can find a way to just move people around in a certain light that isn't this bad, like. Well, I will say this. I will say this because what was the highlight of our show this week? Riddle and Orton. They moved these guys around. The two things we started with, it was Riddle and Sheamus was probably planned for a rematch, and then Randy Orton jumped in. It's like, oh, no. Now he moves Sheamus in a different direction with Riddle to Orton. There's two fresh, fun things. But in like inserting a Braun and, like, who knows what's going to happen with the Roman Reigns title picture because obviously they're teasing the Cesaro thing, but we're, we still have a Daniel Bryan thing along the way. So there are some places where they're doing it well. But – when you have those things doing it well, it makes the spotlight of the things they're doing poorly even brighter, and that's what this shit is. And I do want to say one more thing before we move on. Maybe this is our stuff. Is like because Rhea Ripley's pretty much she's like the afterthought and all this stuff. Her and Oscar were just kind of there for this. It's been focused so much on the tag teams, but I just want to make this note about Ripley um, is that the way that she's come onto the main roster, it is giving me the early main roster Bailey vibes 100. percent Do you remember when she finally got called up? She, like, won the title immediately. They went completely off all her success on NXT. She was just kind of there. They felt like they had to put no effort into her character. Like, oh, she's great. You all love Bailey. Deal with it. Whatever. Immediately a champion. And it was one of those things where it was just, it was painful to see because we love Bailey. We all really like Rhea Ripley. And they feel like they're doing the same thing. But I will say this. Much like Bailey, Rhea Ripley is way too talented to fail. But it is just so frustrating and disappointing that this has to be the start of her reign as a champion on the main roster. Like, I think they're doing pretty well with Bianca so far. Like, we'll, like, we'll see how that goes the next few weeks. But with Rhea, it's just like, yeah, she won the title, great. Now she's just going to be an afterthought. Some weeks we're going to treat her like a baby face, but this week she was with the heels. So it's just like, if you've never watched NXT, you have no sense of Rhea's character. And so you're probably not buying into her. They're just being like, yeah, no, she's great at NXT. You love her at NXT. So it just I just wanted to bring up that note because it's something I think to keep an eye on. Long term, she's going to be fine. She's too good not to be fine. But it's just something that's very disappointing for me. And maybe, hey, whenever she gets involved with Charlotte, which they're teasing and they will do it eventually, maybe that's the answer. But right now, they're doing her a huge disservice, just like they did to Bailey. Well, you mentioned something very quickly, not about Rhea, but you mentioned something else I want to translate over to is, or transition over to, excuse me, is... The universal pitcher, the universal title pitcher, it is uh, crowded, which is good. Uh, they went out of their way at the beginning of the show to, to have Cesaro talk, and but here's 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 where I'm losing it a little bit. You don't have one person talking. You had like four or five people talking for the guy, which gives me absolutely no confidence in anybody. But why WrestleMania? Why does they? Why does Vince have them do that? <laughs> because he sounds like a pussy. That's so. That's it's one hundred percent. That's what it is. It just it drove me. It drove me up a wall. It drove me up a wall. So it's like the whole thing with like 
So Daniel Bryan comes out, then Jay Uso, then Roman Reigns. So essentially that's the people that are talking for him. Now, if Daniel Bryan like loses and becomes his manager, whatever that is, what it is. But the fact that it was multiple segments, multiple things, where it was just like not looking at. Now, if that's the game plan to get Cesaro over, that's a weak ass sauce kind of plan, in my opinion. It does not make any sense to me as a viewer because what you're telling me, you do not think this guy can do it when it comes to putting it together on the microphone. But when he's in the ring, bell rings, nobody better. Which, again, that's unfortunately the sink or swim portion of what you have to do to be a top guy or a top girl. Like, you need to be able to convey a message regardless of whether or not it's your first language or the fifth language that you can speak. That's irrelevant. You need to convey something. Now, you convey love and passion to the fans. We know that. But a basic reason for not liking somebody is not very hard to convey, regardless of what language you use. So I was, I was beside myself on SmackDown. I, I, for, a, for a show that I believe is so good to have that, they dug in, not deep. They dug their heels in here. They might as well be six feet under, digging themselves in. It does not make any sense to me. Not one cent at all. And it, it, I think this is the week where they proved to all of us, even if Cesaro wins the championship, it's going to be, they have, now they've set, the, they've set him back even further. Well, let me, I will say this, because I, I agree with you pretty much all the way. I will say that. But to say, give the other side of the coin, who is the current champion on Monday Night Raw? Bobby Lashley. What does he have? He does oh, most of the talking He has form. a mouthpiece. Yeah. He has a manager, MVP. So it's one of those things. So, yeah, Lashley, he's kind of doing what they do with Lesnar, who's, we can agree, Lesnar's one of the greatest champions of all time. Lesnar only speaks for himself when he has to, and it works, but he has Paul Heyman. Cesaro obviously doesn't have a manager. They've tried it in the past, and... Maybe they feel that this is the way, because they're not just going to let him go out there. It'd be a disservice to have him go out there and just have to cut promos. It's never going to be a strength. It never will be. But there's ways you can utilize his talent, his popularity, which is the big key here. Cesaro, I don't think there are, there's maybe like two people on the planet that have negative things to say about Cesaro. We all agree. He's fucking immaculate in the ring. We all want to root for him. He's like, and just, he's well-liked by everyone backstage. No matter what you hear about anyone, everyone wants to put Cesaro over. No one's bigger than Daniel Bryan. So it makes sense to me that they do it. I, again, like I said, I agree with you. I don't love it as the way to go. But it's one of those things. It's like sometimes it's hard to give a baby face a manager. But if there's some way, like maybe this is them trying to be creative with giving him like a quote-unquote manager by having people put him over. But I do tend to agree with you. As being a top baby face, I think there's a lot more pressure for you to speak for yourself. And that is always going to be something difficult for Cesaro to really come off, like to reach that next level. And that's why he hasn't. But I think right now they're at least showing you, Nestlemania, that they are committing to trying. So maybe this isn't going to be permanent. Maybe this is just like baby steps to try to get us there and give that little extra. Who knows? Maybe it isn't. Maybe they're going to try to do this forever. Time will tell. But I do agree with you. I don't love it either. But as someone who likes Cesaro and wants Cesaro to get that fair shake and that fair shot, if this is the way we have to get it, I'm willing to see it through and see maybe how it happens. Maybe how. Maybe Cesaro actually does grab it and fucking we see a whole new guy, like, character-wise, like, just burst out because of his popularity, you know? We'll see. We'll see. You never know. Maybe he has that Becky Lynch, like, moment where he just fucking burst through the ceiling because we all knew Becky was good. But they never really let her talk. She had the accent. You know, they never really gave an opportunity to really come off as a character. Then when they did, holy fuck. Maybe Cesaro will be the same way. I doubt it. I have my doubts, but I'm rooting for him. But I'm willing to see how they do this. 
I am glad they're slow playing it with the Daniel Bryan thing, at least with this match in between, because I don't want it to be too much too soon with him because Cesaro is the underdog. If there is someone who's going to beat Roman Reigns, I want it to be this type of guy. I want it to be someone who's breaking through that fucking ceiling that never been able to break through, that true underdog babyface. And Cesaro fits that mold. Will he do it? I don't know. But it at least excites me to knowing that when they do finally fight, it'll be in my mind. Even if he's not going to win, I will think he has a legit chance, and I will want that moment if it does happen. And they have that Seth, you know, kind of thing to play on as well. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't see Cesaro sniffing that till SummerSlam. I really don't. I think that that's probably where we're going to be. That heading. would be incredible long-term storytelling. But we all know how they are in WrestleMania. We all know how they are. But honestly, how about this? What if they get he eventually gets his shot at WrestleMania Backlash, has a great match, and comes up short. And then maybe he wins money in the bank and has to grind his way back to it. Maybe that's how they do it because we already seen Cesaro. Like, he's a guy that I think that could work with. And maybe they just want to give us that tease or that taste to kind of build the long term story, Daniel Bryan esque, so to speak. Mm. But I think either way, it's compelling with Cesaro because popularity is something that you can't just make happen. With him, it is so natural that we all root for him and that when crowds do come back, he's the guy that I would want to save for that first big show to get that pop. Imagine him beating Roman Reigns in front of the first crowd. Do you know how monstrous that pop would be in WrestleMania? That would be a fucking special moment. So there you go, a little bonus hope. That'd be cool. That'd so be cool. We might as well get to the regular hopes then, I guess, if we want to, because I don't think there's anything else heated you want to talk about, right? Glorious! You are my only hope. Would you like to go first? Or would you like to I go? will. I'll piggyback off of what we were just talking about. It, it does involve Cesaro. It does involve other people here for moving parts. Uh, that I thought about in my head. Here's what I'm thinking. So Cesaro's going to, in my in my head, in Nestle land, and uh, he's going to win the championship against Roman Reigns. Now, I don't think that this isn't going to come with, it may come with a clean win. It may come with, I think, some chicanery, some gaga. I think that what's going to end up happening here is it's going to look like Cesaro shouldn't have won, but wins in big fashion. And Adam Pierce is going to solidify that and say he is the championship. He sorry, he is the champion. Has won the championship, and by doing that, Adam Pearce has set into motion Roman Reigns using his stroke, other people using his stroke, and that is the catalyst. Cesaro takes down the big dog, the head of the table, and now all the cards start to fall. So now, Adam Pearce, because of that, by solidifying some weird murky way of Cesaro maybe winning, which is would suck in a way. Now they're going to get Adam Pierce fired, and then Sonya slides right in and takes over both shows because that's where we're headed anyway. And I think that is a catalyst for a way to just have everything, the house of cards, just fall everywhere and start over because I think Sonya's got an interesting aspect out to it. I think she can do something for at least two years before we get old with it, I think. Um, especially the fact that she has a, a, you know, a link to the women more so that we, we haven't really seen with an authority figure. And I think that's good because maybe that means the more women will get more chances. But I think that having the catalyst of Cesaro winning in some odd fashion and Pierce being like, no, he is the champion and then standing up to Roman and then, of course, getting fired, to me, sets into motion a lot of different things and different, whether what show you go on, doesn't matter. And I think that's what we're going to be going to. So that's my hope. Plain and simple. That's where we're headed. Adam Pierce is off my television, so you get him off my TV, get him off my TV, get him off my TV. Sonya's on my TV, and the Cesaro is a champion we can all enjoy. That's it. The end. The way to make WWE TV worse is to fire Adam Pierce. He is the <laughs> shining beacon of hope 
on both programs. You just made a hope trying to get Adam Pierce fired. You are unbelievable. You do not want Cesaro no. to win his first world championship like that. Use anybody else in WrestleMania. You're gonna use you're gonna use our guy, Cesaro, to get your boy Adam Pierce fired. That is disgusting, deplorable, shame. Shame. I didn't say fired Shame. from real life. I just said fired yeah, from television. TV, I don't care. Cesaro, there should be no dirt or grime on the way he wins. Cesaro is our shining beacon, much like Adam Pierce's head. So that's all I have to say about that, damn it. My hope. You know, a coupled hope. You'll see why I use that word in a moment. But uh, first up, you know what? I'm going to talk about AEW hope and NXT hope. A coupled hope. You might know where this is going. But, uh, you know, there was something on AEW going on. Obviously, the women's division. We had a great match last week with Sheeta and Conti. I loved it. Big fan of both women. Sheeta retained. But uh, one thing that they kept saying, uh, they brought up was, Sheeta, you know, she's been the champion the entire time in this COVID era, but she wants to, like, fight in a packed stadium, defend that title in a packed stadium, which obviously got me thinking, okay, she's not losing it until there's a packed stadium. Well, AEW is probably closer than anyone to getting that packed stadium at some point. I think on the trajectory they're heading. And um, after last week, as you saw after the match in WrestleMania, we have a new number one contender. Finally, the doctor, the DMD, the dentist, Britt Baker, is the number one contender. And finally, I'm going to get my Sheeta Britt Baker feud. So I was thinking, I was like, huh, what would be a great first match to have in front of a packed house? How about these fucking two? Sheeta gets her moment of taking out that title and having an Infinity Star match against Britt Baker in front of a packed house. But even better would be the MVP of AEW. My, probably my favorite part consistently of AEW since like she changed her character, which was, I mean, well over a year at this point, have Britt Baker finally win that title and be at the top of the mountain. That is part one of my hope. I think that would be incredible. I think that would be a big for both, win for both women on a division that has kind of, you know, been like the afterthought and the thing that people like to pick on in AEW. I think it's, Gaining some traction, but I think Sheeta's done a great job, kind of for the most part by herself, and then Baker in her own world with the character. Part two of the hoop. Hope, hoop, hope, 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 hope. I can't even say it. All right, no, Jesus. And NXT uh, this week, Adam Cole's going to have a sit down interview. And it got me thinking, it's like, man, Adam Cole's legitimately one of my favorite people to watch. But this last year, man, it has just been uninteresting for the most part because what hasn't he done in NXT? Nothing. Nothing. So I want Adam Cole in this interview tonight to leave NXT. I want to see how Adam Cole stacks up against main roster level superstars because I think he has the character and the wrestling ability to be up against anyone. And there would be so many fresh feuds and matches by having him go to, like, say, I don't know, a SmackDown. I just think that guy is so versatile. The one thing against him is his size. But as you've seen, Daniel Bryan can succeed. AJ Styles isn't even the biggest guy in the world. We've obviously seen Finn Balor has been on the main roster. There's been tons of guys. Rey Mysterio. Adam Cole is a guy who I think could be as good as anyone. And I want him tonight to leave NXT. Or Tuesday night, if you're watching this after. So you would already know the answer to this. So, but I just, I really want to see what he can do. I think I've said this before. But I want to see him take that next step. And who knows, he might not want to. Because we hear a lot of these NXT guys don't want to leave NXT. But I think Adam Cole, it's time, man. It's time. There's nothing else you can do down there. You've beaten everyone. You've fought everyone. You've done everything. You put over your boy, Kyle. It's time to move on and to bring down that next chapter. So there's my couple dope. Rick Baker, Adam Cole, baby! Let's go. That was cute. That's all. Shiner. 
Shai Shame? Is that what you're going to do? No. Did Shai you... Shame, one of the greatest superstars in the world? Oh, my God. I, did, I didn't even bring anything up. I just said that was cute. That's all I said. Yeah. You know you... what cute means? You're Shai Shaming. That, that is a leap. That is, a, that is not even a jump to a conclusion. Shai that is a shamer. leap. Leap. Shai Shaming. You're a leaper. Speaking of leapers, don't call it a comeback. He's been here for not that long, and he disappeared. But he's back, baby. I love Reginald. Reginald's a great character. Do I always love what they do with him? Absolutely not. Do I love what they're doing right now? Not really. But at least when I see Reginald, he always does something that either makes me laugh or smile. He's a fun character. And as bad as his Naya stuff can be, he at least brings out that fun. Do you get some of the goofiness with it? Sure. But I think overall, Reginald has been a huge success. Again, some of the stuff with it, not always the best, but it was nice to see him back because obviously they kind of took him out of the spotlight WrestleMania time, let the woman shine and have some, like, you know, whatever. But I'm glad that the Reginald character is back because I think there was more to do with him. I think he brings a nice aspect, and I'm happy to see him back. So, Reginald, you get my comeback, sir. All right, folks. It's that, it's that time again. Put on the detective hat because this comeback is for one Alistair Black. I was pumped to see him in his new digs and everything. I thought that was awesome. So he gets my comeback short term. That's basically what I'm going to say. Here's the long term of the detective part. There's a lot of meat on the bone, folks. I'm excited for this. I am beyond excited because obviously I gush over Alistair Black. I'm not going to say the, uh, that he's a certain person because that would ruin everything. So I'm not going to say it because then <laughs> Too late. TJ's, TJ's on the go. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't ruin it. Uh, you know, so whatever. Come back to curse back. Alistair Black. Nestle guy. Nope. Nope. Not saying it. Nope. Nope. Not saying it. I refuse to. There's, there's a lot here though. There, there's a lot to get into. And I I just, so I, I went down the rabbit hole obviously. And I, I I thought about it myself. Uh, You know, he has this whole thing about the, the tales from the, you know, the dark father. And it's just nice to see the heel with the old timey book and like that tales from the crypts vibe. I love that stuff. The first thing that I saw right off the bat was chapter one, the dragon, right? The other thing too, that other people have to think about is, it's chapters, right? So that means we're going to get a lot of Alistair Black on our television telling multiple stories going forward. So I would imagine that there's at least four or five, maybe eight that we're going to get of him just talking for a while. It's better than asking people to knock on his door. I'm fine with what we got right now. I know you're going to say it. That's fine. Knock, knock, knocking on Alistair's door. So there's a lot of things here that you could talk about, but this is the express lane detective. I just want to say very quickly to watch because there's a lot not to watch on wrestling right now, but Alistair Black's promo, it'll, I think it's three minutes. Most it's intriguing. There's a lot of Easter eggs there that clearly we don't even know about. People are fascinated with the idea of the dark father. They think that the, if you look at the background, uh, the guy that was standing in the animation looks like the undertaker. A lot of people think the undertaker might come back as the manager of Alistair Black, which I hate. I think it's a terrible idea because then you just ruin Alistair Black completely. So please don't get on that one, and I think it's an awful take, and it's wrong. The other thing, too, is just you look at it from this perspective as well. They said in there, you know, my the father basically told him not to be the dragon. Sorry, not to, not to be beat the dragon, but become the dragon. So in my way, I do think that the dark father, in a way, will be Alistair Black in some form or fashion. I don't want to see a higher power because, honestly, this is Alistair Black's show. I don't want to see some type of person that he talks to that is him. I want Alistair Black to be the guy. I don't care about anything else. So if this has to be like a Sister Abigail kind of version or something to tap into later or a demon of some sort, maybe it's the devil. I'm fine with it because, honestly, he's awesome. The other parallel, and I haven't got a I, – I, I, JC, you might be able to tell me this or not. I could be wrong. But 
I believe there is a giant back tattoo on the back of Alistair Black. Yeah, I think it's a dragon. I could be wrong. So it's interesting that I don't know if the tattoos on him may play into the chapters here. That's something that came across my mind. Um, and also something that they did was the mother was ripped away from, uh, in, in the animation, from the kid, which the kid is supposed to be Alistair Black. And I think that's very telling because I think that having a kid at a funeral in the woods with some dark magic and some dark things is going to lead in a way where a lot of people are going to be into this. Now, it's not going to be The Fiend. It's not going to be, you know, carrying Cross kind of stuff, but it's going to have its own vibe. And I'm cool with it. I think it's a little bit more realistic and hopefully a lot less hokey in terms of certain things we see. Uh, but I'm interested because it's a fresh start. It's a fresh origin. It's different. Uh, he's got the goggle glasses from the guy from GTA or, or Far, Far, I think it's uh, Far Cry 3, they said. So he has a little bit of different things. The other, the other thing, too, is that the animation kind of looks like the grown-up version of Alistair Black. So I, I, the whole puppeteering thing makes me feel like there's a lot of like misdirection here that's happening because it's just different and it's odd. And I'm totally into it because I'm a sucker for Tales for the Crypt. I'm a sucker for dark stuff. I just, I think that there's so much edginess that could happen here that I'm very excited for. Um, I could go on and on and on about it, but there's there's a lot to uh, digest. Um, but to go back, watch the three minutes. I think you guys might get into it too, conspiracy theory wise, because there's a lot of to uh, to digest going forward and uh, week to week here, folks. Doesn't seem like we're gonna get the fiend. Uh, we're gonna get stuck with Lily doing whatever Lily does, um, which is fine. But I think uh, right now, uh, your boy, the detective, is very interested to see where Alistair Black goes. Nestle Boner Jams, brought to you this week by Alistair Black. Oh, seriously, I, I am excited for Alistair Black. I think that he's a guy that really hasn't ever got his feet on the main roster. And I think hopefully now they've tried to invest in him before and they didn't do it the right way. Hopefully this is it because I think he brings a lot to the table. And I know that would make you very happy because you won't say it, but I'll say it. If there's ever a national guy, it's this motherfucker, and I, I hope he does not find his footing. But right now, it's time for the big old finish. We'll hit on AEW next in a moment. But on SmackDown, like you mentioned, big show this week. We got Apollo defending against Big E in an IC title rematch. WrestleMania, who you got? In the IC title match? Come on, Apollo. Apollo, I agree, but I hope that uh, these guys get to do a little more wrestling here. We have the Gagat Mania, and I think this... Um, Give them some time, whether it kicks off the show or it's the 9 o'clock hour. Let these guys do their things. I think they got their chemistry. And then in the main event, we have a universal title match. Roman Reigns defends against Daniel Bryan. Where is this? Daniel Bryan loses. He is no longer a part of SmackDown. I think you said you're picking Bryan, WrestleMania. Uh, excuse me? I think you said you're picking Bryan? No, I never said that. I know. Well, I thought you did. No, I don't. I, I, you got to pick the big dog. That was your attempt to say, a sphincter says what? That's ex exactly what you tried to do right there. You tried to catch me sleeping, so you were trying to see if I was going to say Brian. Uh, I, I just assume that uh, you know we just got off a boner jam sesh that maybe the Viagra was still working and you were going Whoa, all in Whoa, whoa, first boy. off, your boy does not need any help. All right, first This was up for four hours without it. Don't worry about it, baby. I'm fine the way I am. I'm young. I'm good. So don't ever, you don't ever, do, but like, if we want to. 69. What? I think your your mind is in the gutter today. Unbelievable, Josh. My mind, my mind in the gutter. I live in the gutter, baby. Let's go. But uh, yeah, so that's what we got coming up on SmackDown. Should be a good show. Um, but no, if you think our show is a good show, you should go to Apple Podcasts or 
YouTube or Spotify or Stitcher or Anchor or Google Play and like, subscribe, comment, five stars, five flames, whatever those platforms let's say you do, you should do it. We'd appreciate it. Tpublic.com slash jobberknocker. Uh, buy the merch. Lots of great shit up there. And hey, here's the thing, guys. If you buy some merch, you wear it, you use it, maybe you get a coffee mug like nestled in, you share it, you send it to us, we'll throw it up on Instagram. How about that? So buy the merch, show it off. Let us know that you like it because there's a lot of good shit up there. Also, jobberknocker.com, that's our website. Well, we got a shit ton of coverage on everything. We got New Japan. We got Impact. We got NXT. We got AEW. We got specialty articles, predictions, you name it. It's there, jobberknocker.com. Check that shiznit out. Facebook Jobberknocker, Instagram Jobberknocker, Twitter at Jobberknocker. All the staff handles are listed below in the description of the podcast. So make sure you follow everyone there. And hey, give everyone a tweet. Let us know. Say, sup, dude, to everyone. Why not? That'd be fun. But no, so many That's all the hoopla. We got AEW. We got NXT. We'll start with NXT. We got three matches booked. First up, Dakota Kai versus Mark. Mercedes Martinez, who appears to be the next challenger for Raquel, your girl. Yeah, I Mercedes has been around forever, so I, I have a soft spot for her. I think she's amazing. Uh, obviously, you know how I feel about Raquel, so that's I'm not going to sit here and gush over her. But uh, clearly Dakota there is to eat the pin to set up the whole thing for at some point they're going to talk, uh, you know, big game strategy for these two. And that's fine. We know that Raquel's going to have a long reign and Raquel's going to be there for a while because she's just... EO needs to deal with Frankie Monet or just take some time off or whatever. I actually watch NXT and AEW this week, so haha, TJ. Uh, I am up to date. Uh, and I guess the Joe Stopper. But I also read their articles as well because Dom does a great job as well as just Joe Stopper. But, but um, yeah, I, I think that's where we're headed. I think, you know, poor Dakota is just becoming the uh, the guy, the, excuse me, the, the person to beat so that you can get to the champion. Yes, I do think, though, and I think they've teased it a little, like subtly, is that a breakup is coming there because we see, like, Raquel is being booked as a babyface now. So I think eventually, like, Dakota could be her next big feud after Mercedes. Maybe they break up because I think that would make sense and it could be a nice little story there. So I think that's where we're headed. But also, something else as we get off, it's Austin Theory. GM Austin Theory, my boy. The underrated part of NXT faces Bronson Reed. Uh, if Bronson Reed wins, he gets another title shot at Johnny Gargano. Do you think that is the way that this match will go? I mean, Bronson Reed already got his shot, and if we get another shot, I'm just going to be bored because... Well, that's what's going to happen, yeah. so deal with it. Yeah. I I mean, I, I will say this much. When I watch, and this is where TJ is going to go, ha! But, because I give TJ a lot of crap, I don't necessarily think Johnny Gargano, the wrestler, keeps me interested anymore. Johnny Gargano, the promo, makes me interested. He's so good. He's been and so good. Candice LeRae does a great job, too, with the whole, like... The, so, here's here's the thing that I enjoyed, the back-to-back -back promo, I will say, because I give a lot of shit to this, like, a lot, but the promo where Candice was going to go to the to Mr. Regal, and then you, Jexter just pops up from behind the glass, and she's enthralled and stays there, and then, you know, the baby faces beat up Candice, and then next, they, they're in the locker room. I've seen that look before. Just give her five minutes. Like, I just... I laughed my ass off. I just thought that was great. Then just... The whole thing of, like, Johnny saying, like, you're not giving the interview, you're not giving the interview. Like, they went out of their way with, like, it seemed like five segments with these guys. Um, it's good shit. It's good. And I think that the, the, the parenting of these kids kind of thing, like, makes me giggle because now that I'm a parent, it's just, like, I see that happening for me in a way. Uh, so I think they're playing it really well, and it's working. So I, in terms of the, the promo, I'm really enjoying it. I don't necessarily care about the, the wrestling because I know it's good, but, like, everything on NXT is really good. It's just... 
after a while, it's just, does it make sense? Does it make me interested? But the way is making me interested in a lot of things. So I'm interested in that. They've had a very good couple of months. Uh, next up is, we're not going to talk about it, but there's a six-man tag. Kashida and MSK take on the God of the Phantasma. Who cares? It's time to go to AEW. They have one, two, three, four, five, six matches booked for this week. Uh, what I think should be the main event, and maybe it's the parlay, which we'll get to, but uh, Hangman, another big match, this time versus the Machine, Brian Cage, Nestlemania. What happens in this one? I don't think Hangman is going to lose. I just, he's on a roll. Like, the people love him. The, the people love him. He's doing he's great. Done. Brian Cage, uh, you know, I go back and forth with Brian Cage because there he's are a lot better. I the, things that, the things that he does, he does better than anybody. But the things he tries to do that he is not good at are just glaring. And I'm hoping Agree. that. Like they just accentuate the positives, hide the negatives, instead of trying to make him do everything. So, you know, I needed to get the FTW championship off of him because it just looks like just garbage to me. And so, not that I, I mean, I love Taz. I'm, a, I'm I've been a Taz guy forever. He's one of my top ten. But I just, I don't know. Like I, there's something about it that I don't, I don't believe. Like I, every time I see Team Taz, I mute everybody but Ricky Starks. Like that's all I care about. I don't care about anybody else in that that whole faction, even Taz, Ricky Starks. Is just and he is absolute. He's, amazing. he's absolute. He just that that dude that dude has that just he just got that Ricky drip. He just does it, you know. Um, Hangman has been on a friggin' rampage going forward, um, but if it's Hangman and Omega again this time, and, and and Hangman loses, I don't necessarily know if I'm gonna take Hangman as seriously because he's got some serious momentum here. This might be the best shot for him going forward. No, I agree, but I just I feel like Omega's so wrapped up in his fucking bullshit fucking young bucks drama and he's still got moxie they're going to do again that even though hangman right now is the number one contender like they probably it's either one of those things where he's just going to keep racking up wins and get a shot in like fucking six months or maybe this is the spot where he loses so he can get dropped down and they can kind of save the match a little bit i wouldn't hate that honestly because like you said he's been in the role but it's like it's one of those things it's like he needs to have a title shot like immediately then but i also don't want him to lose again because i think he's the guy to beat omega eventually I just don't think they're going to do it now. So it's one of those things I'm torn. I think this is a spot where maybe you could have an upset to knock him down a little just so we can delay that. But, hey, we'll see. I think, At least for me, when I look at uh, this card, this is the most exciting. Penta versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, Penta has his new badass character. I'm enjoying it. And uh, I think he fought Trent last week. So he's just uh, running right through the best friends. As you would say, JC, running train. Let's move on. Chris Statlander, speaking of best friends, is facing Penelope Ford, my girl. Um I don't this match, whatever it's a match. I'm assuming Statlander will win. But uh, the interesting part for me with this whole thing is Miro's been cutting promos on Kip, who's been MIA. So I would assume since Wifey is fighting that he'll show up. So maybe we'll get something there and Miro can start getting his hands on titles like he was talking about last week. I don't see Miro. Uh, so here's the thing. We'll talk about this because Darby Allen's got a tomato can to face. So, you know, that's a whole thing. I think Miro is just the next person in line to just cripple Darby Allen and win the TNT Championship. I think, so. I think he's the guy to beat Darby Allen. I agree. I think that makes sense too, right? Because I think Miro's a guy who could just fucking dominate that mid-card until they're finally ready to maybe win Heyman's champion challenge with them because I don't think he's going to be fighting Omega. So. No, I, I, see, I see a long dominant reign for your boy Miro because honestly, what else are we doing? Like, he's just, he's literally doing the exact same thing he was doing on WWE television. Like, it's just, he's doing nothing of any re- relevance, really. It's so. disappointing because, like, he's, 
he's being presented for the most part dominantly, but it's not leading to anything. Like at least in WWE, he had those dominant U.S. title reign and everything, which was cool. And he obviously the fucking tank at Mania. We're never gonna forget that. But uh, we have two other matches that I don't really do care to talk about: the Nightmare Family versus the Factory, which is a thing, and the Young Bucks versus the Sedal Bros, which apparently also is a thing. I don't care. Do you care? Nope. All right, so then the big thing on AEW this week, maybe this will be the main event, maybe it'll kick off the show, but in two weeks, we have the blood and guts, so we're having a parlay between the inner circle and the pinnacle this week, WrestleMania. What should I expect? Well, first off, it's French for talk, so there's going to be a lot of talking. That's what a parlay is. Uh, secondly, there is no betting involved, I hope, although there is a parlay. I was going to say, a, a, a betting parlay is a little different. Yes, could you explain to me, seeing though you're the degenerate gambler of the two of us, can you explain what a parlay is? Pretty much, if you put a bunch of bets together, it's called a parlay, so say... I bet on the Celtics, Lakers, and Clippers tonight. Bet on all three. I need all three of them to win to win the parlay. But when you stick all three together, you get a much bigger payout, obviously, because it increases the odds. That's what a parlay is. So this kind of parlay, like you said, it's going to be like a negotiation. So this is definitely not a betting. This is more of a talking. Okay. Uh, You know, again, I ask you for all these things because you and uh, I think Ray are the most degenerate uh, gamblers besides Wagon that we know. So is what it is. Anyway. I'm curious if this even matters because they were talking about the Chris Jericho iconic promo from a couple weeks ago, which, again, I don't necessarily think was an iconic promo. It was very, 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 very good, but they obviously have to blow it up out of proportion. MJF has his—he talked for his group this week or last week, excuse me. So I feel like it's a lot of nonsense, and then they're going to end on a big brawl, and we'll see you next week. It's thing, it's thing. So that's how it's going to end up. I think that's just the way it's going to be because I think blood and guts is—as I've been told— by you know everybody on the dirt sheets that apparently the the blood and guts version of AEW is going to be pretty much one match throughout the night. Like it's going to be promos. Yeah, no, but I think that packages. entire show is going to be that match. Yeah, yeah, because it's going to be at least a half an hour. There's, there's enough guys there; they can do a lot of shit. And we've seen AEW willing to push the envelope with these violent matches. So I would expect. I'm I'm assuming it'll probably be pre-taped too, which will give them some leeway. I would assume some legitimate blood and guts and that to be an awesome show. So I think the leading this week should be fun to get these guys together because I do think this is something, honestly, as a wrestling fan, to look forward to. Look, I mean, it's going to be two rings, so it's clearly going to be a different dynamic. I like that aspect of it. So I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for more than one ring. And, uh, you know, War Games their way is probably going to be more interesting because Cody's going to have a super boner for what his dad created. So I think that it's going to work out one way or another. So I agree. You get the Cody spin, you get the Jericho spin, and then you get all the violence of everyone throwing it together. There's, there's going to be a lot of great minds involved in this match, and I honestly think I'm most excited to see a guy like Wardlow in this environment because I've seen flashes from him where I'm just blown away at his ability. And I think in this type of match, he could really do some shit, so I think that'll be exciting. I think he's like because he's clearly a guy that he gives you those Batista vibes in Evolution. Like He's just waiting to burst out from the shadow of MJF, and this could be the type of match where you're just like, holy fuck, that guy's a monster. So he's gonna throw, to look forward to He's going to throw Sammy like a pizza. That's exactly what you're hoping <laughs> for. You know? That's the only person in the, in the inner circle that I can see him really tossing around besides maybe uh, Santino Ortiz. Ortiz. Yeah. So yeah. That's pretty much it. That's all I got. Uh, apparently, Impact is good. Dom's got you covered on all that shit because they had a big weekend with Rebellion. Um, so check out his stuff. And... uh I believe they got a new champ, and it might be a champ that you know pretty well because he's already a champ. He's a four-time champion now, or, or four four belts he's holding. Uh, he's not Kenny close. Omega. He's not close to the uh, ultimate. Uh, the 
excuse me, the Ultimo Dragon, which was a big deal back in the day with 10 belts across the international, which he needed a, he need, no, I don't know if he did it or, I mean, he used to make this joke, he, need, he needed a wheelbarrow to have all his belts out. Like, it was, it was awesome with Sonny Ono. I would imagine that'd be heavy. Yeah, so there's a picture of him uh, where he's got three titles on each hand and then like, two on him and then two over him, so it was 10. It's pretty awesome if you go check that picture out. I don't necessarily think that's where we're headed because I don't think there's 10 titles that matter anymore that aren't WWE. Um it's a big night, a big situation, sure, but I it's odd to me that there's still no fans on Impact, so it's hard to really gauge the importance going forward because, you know, there's no fans. You can't gauge how, how everybody feels about it. No, no, I don't disagree. I, I We figured this is where it was headed, I think, because this is just, we've seen with this relationship so far, we were hoping it would give Impact more chance. I know our boy Dom was really rooting for that, but it's just more of like Impact putting over AW guys, especially Kenny Omega, to just this next. They're just trying to make him a god. That's all. And maybe that's doing. maybe that's what they're trying, and, and it, it, I guess it's working to a certain aspect of it. But uh, it's working for some people. I've yeah. been pretty adamant it's not working for me. I just I don't I haven't been able to buy into the story. It hasn't got me enough, but. It's working for some people, so you know I know it's got a lot of people excited. I will say the rest of the Impact has been really good lately, especially from what I read yes. from Dom. So I mean, check out your boy Dom, Dommy Two shows. He's doing uh, NXT and Impact. <laughs> uh, he's doing a great job on JobberKnocker.com. So make sure you check out him as well as your boy Joe Stopper and everybody else is writing articles over there. Um, but I, like I said, I don't necessarily care because um, it's not for me sometimes and. Uh, there's a lot of wrestling. We do our best to watch it all, but we have a staff for a reason because they help us fill in the edges. Because I'll be honest, I occasionally, if I see Dom say something or Ray say something awesome on Impact, I'll check it out. But it's just something not in my rotation right now because there's a lot of wrestling to watch. Yeah, that's true. We just do. We just we have two eyes. We can't watch everything. So thank you for all the people that do the hard work and, and come to our attention about things that are that matter, like Impact Rebellion. So check that piece out. He's in awesome work. Uh, is there anything else, or would you like to just wrap up the show? I'm good, Bray. All right. Well, then, on that note, thank you for listening to the Jobber Knocker, and we'll be back next week with more Jobber Knockery. 